Hi, I'm Isa Kwonga. And I'm Ryan Hun. And we co-host Stadio, a football podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. If you like soccer or football, make sure you search for Stadio, a football podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's Feud, Capote versus the Swans. The second installment in Ryan Murphy's Feud anthology tells the story of acclaimed writer Truman Capote, once a confidant to society's most elite women, whom he nicknamed the Swans. Starring Naomi Watts, Diane Lane, Chloe Sevigny, Calista Flockhart, Demi Moore, Molly Ringwald, and Tom Hollander. For your Emmy consideration, visit fxnetworks.com FYC. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. It is Wednesday, December 7th. Greg, we've got an honest-to-God celebrity on the show today. I know. The floodgates are just going to start opening for every celeb now. They're all going to want on. It is not Reese Witherspoon, who we know is a super fan of the town. <laughs> it, is, it is Rob McElhaney, who is the very famous co-creator, writer, director, producer, and star of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia on FXX and Hulu, which has been renewed through an amazing 18th season. It'll actually be the longest-running live-action TV sitcom in history, as well as the co-creator and star of Mythic Quest on Apple TV, and he's got a bunch of other businesses like a Sunny Rewatch podcast, a Web3 company, a whiskey brand, other endeavors. He's on the town today for none of those projects, however. I became obsessed with Rob as a business figure while watching Welcome to Wrexham, the docuseries on FX and Hulu about Rob buying a Welsh soccer team with Ryan Reynolds. Recently finished its first season, Another is Coming. It's a great show, funny and surprisingly emotional, and it's one of the most brilliant business and creative ideas I've seen in Hollywood in a long time. Buying a sports team super cheap, like $2.5 million, to build a lucrative TV show around, and then using the TV money to build the sports team into something more valuable. Super entrepreneurial, and it represents kind of a new frontier in the sorts of confluence of entertainment, sports, celebrity, and branding. As I watch the show, and I'm not even a soccer fan, really, other than disappointment every four years when the U.S. doesn't go further in the World Cup, I became curious about how this happened. What kind of a business that Rob and Ryan are creating and building here, especially since he and Ryan are said to be the highest paid stars on a docuseries, although I think the Kardashians might want a word about that. It's been really successful and innovative, and it's not the first time Rob has bet on himself in Hollywood and ended up really benefiting. The pilot for Always Sunny was famously shot on a camcorder and cost almost nothing, so those guys could keep more of the upside if it became a hit, which of course it did. Today, we're focused on Wrexham, how to build a TV show around a soccer team and vice versa, and the business behind it all. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Rob McElhaney, an honest-to-God famous person on The Town. We're very happy to have you. I'm sorry about the Phillies. Yeah, that was a little bit of a disappointment. You know, nice run, though. Absolutely. They're, they're, they had no business being there in the first place. So just just to get <laughs> as far as they did was a shock and a delight. Yeah. So you're, you're a super interesting figure in Hollywood because you've done great shows and shows that have lasted. I can't believe Sonny is going to be the longest running live action sitcom in television history. Congratulations. 
Thank you. You've also done great deals for yourself over the years, and you really bet on yourself over and over again. And that's what makes you interesting to me. And Wrexham is a perfect example. So when you decide to do this, how did you get connected to the team? Did you use a broker? Like who, who connects a guy like you to that football team? Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of approach it the way I've approached everything in, in this business and maybe in, in life, which is just taking out the deep, just sort of demystifying everything and assuming that there is some cabal out there that that has everything figured out and there's a way of doing things uh, and just maybe looking at it more from a scrappy perspective and saying, well, what if I just Googled how do I bo- buy a sports team? And that's what I did. And what came up? Um, a whole bunch of articles on various brokers. And one of them was an article in the New York Times on this company called Inner Circle Sports. And this one particular person named Steve Horowitz, and he had brokered massive deals. Uh, the Liverpool deal, um, uh, partial shares of the Yankees, uh, the Red Sox, a couple of other massive baseball deals. And I figured, I don't know, I'll just call him. So I just called him and said, my name's Rob. You may have never heard of me, but if you have kids, I'm sure they have. And I want to buy, uh, I, I want to buy a, a, a football team in Europe. Will you help me? And that was it. And after he hung up, then you called back. And what did he say then? Well, interestingly, he, he said, well, I don't really handle deals of this size. I, you, I'm, I, I usually broker deals like Liverpool, for example. And I said, okay, I understand that, but maybe could you think about it? And this is my plan. This is how I want to approach it. Um, I want to take a team from the lower leagues. I want to invest them and the community with enough capital to um, not only help grow the club, but help uh, jumpstart the local economy. And look at this as not only a way into the storytelling of uh, of a sports club, but also of the of a town, of a working class town. And right. I, I, I want to do it and I want to, truly try to take a club from the fifth or sixth or fourth tier and bring them up to the premier league. And he laughed and I said, uh, okay, well just l- let me know. Um, get, you know, let me know if there's anybody else that I can talk to. And he said, okay, let me think about it. I'll talk to some people and maybe I can find you somebody. And I went to bed that and I was, I remember it was a Friday, the next morning, Saturday morning, I had a missed call from him at around seven thirty or 8 AM Pacific time. And I knew as soon as I saw the missed call that he was going to, he was going to take it on. Right. And how much of the business model did you explain? Cause that's, what's fascinating to me, this idea of using the TV money essentially to buy the team and then using that money to prop up the team and make it better, which ultimately will create a more compelling TV show. Like, yes. did he get that model and how much did you and Ryan discuss that model and what it could do for the whole kind of flywheel of your businesses. Yeah, that was always, that was always the foundation of it from day one. And I, and I, and I never, I I made sure to never, um, to never try to hide from that. I always wore that on my sleeve and was dead honest. The question was, are you going to make a documentary out of this? Uh, I, number one said, yes, full stop. Anybody that would ask, they would say, oh, this is all a function of a documentary. And that's not true. Although they are intertwined because, um, the more that you can get the story out there, the more that you can indoctrinate people into becoming fans of the club. And that's what we've seen. So that was always a part of it from, from day one that I wanted to document the story to get people to fall in love, not just with the club itself, but with the people who love the club, i.e. the town of Wrexham. 
Right. And that's what's so interesting about the project is that the show's actually good. And you smartly focus on the town and make it a show about the people as well as these two Hollywood celebrities that come in to do this. Because it ultimately, it might have felt like a stunt. Like you see something, but not necessarily you, but you see something that Ryan does these days. And you're like, oh, that's a stunt to sell gin. Or mm-hmm. that's a stunt to do whatever, promote his cell phone company or whatever. And the thing that actually makes it bigger and better than that is when you're watching the show, you can actually tell that at least you really care about this <laughs> and actually really care about the team and the people in the town. Yes, and and Ryan most certainly does as well. But you do see his journey, which I which I thought I find really fascinating and fun to watch. And he's and he's admitted as much that in the beginning he thought, oh wow, this might be a fun, interesting way into a new business or maybe expanding the brand of aviation. And he's not really a big sports fan, so I think for for him, he just sort of saw this as an extension of his business and. Because I um, grew up in a working class town, and and that town was so inexorably linked with the uh, sports, with the teams in, in in that community, I realized that we were going to find some really fascinating, interesting stories in there that were going to be so compelling that you wouldn't be able to not fall in love with them and with the club, and that Ryan would be one of those people. So it was almost a, a part of my job in the beginning was to get him to see why I loved it so much. And he went from being somebody who barely pays attention to professional sports to somebody who 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 now like stabs and wants to rip his skin off every Saturday because of the anxiety of what happens on the pitch. All right, so you say on the show it was 2.5 million to buy the team, correct? Correct. How much have you guys put into the team since buying it, including the stadium? Although I imagine you have investors that come in to help with the construction, all that stuff. We don't have any investors right now. It is just the, just the really? two of us. Yeah, so you, guys, re- you paid for the stadium renovation? We are currently paying for the stadium renovation, yes. So <laughs> You laugh as if you're a little over your skis. Oh, yes, absolutely. In <laughs> fact, I just had a conversation yesterday. I speak with John Langraf, um, who's one of my best friends. and He's the and head actually, of FX. He's the head of FX and, and has been one of my biggest supporters and benefactors um, over the last 20 years and somebody who I look up to in in every way, shape, and, for, or, or, and form. And in fact, when I had this idea, he was the first and only person I called and I asked him to go for a walk. And by the end of the walk, he 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 just saw it. He understood exactly what I was trying to do, and 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 said he would do that. Um, and so from that point forward, I use his counsel as often as I can. And we were just joking yesterday. Now he's also just as invested. He he wakes up every Saturday morning and watches every game. <laughs> and I mentioned to him, you know, the whole idea of this was that the that the documentary would subsidize at least the beginning stages of the club. And right. then from that point forward, we would see where, where it was going. And that's why I asked them if they would be so kind as to buy two seasons of the show. Uh, and, they, and they did. Well, we are now halfway through shooting the second season of, of the show. And I'm trying to ask him in a very polite way and respectful way, hey man, when are you going to pick up the third and fourth season? <laughs> because uh, this is a, actually a rather expensive endeavor. And the good news is we have had a lot of interest in outside investment. 
Yeah. Um, because of the success of the show right. and because there are people who are just interested in this kind of thing. Um, and we have been fortunate enough to be able to not have to take that investment yet until we find the right partner. That said, uh, all of the money that went to subsidize um, the club at this point that's come in from the show is uh, is being spent. And every single cent uh, has gone back into the club. And now we, we're dipping into our, our own pockets. And, and it, please don't cry for us. So we're, we're, we're feeling just fine. We, we feel like we're building a sustainable model and that's, that's the whole point. We want to make sure that this, this isn't just about us writing checks, not that we're, um, not that we would be remiss from our duties. Um, but it would be, I think it would be, I actually do think it would be remiss from, from our duties to not create a sustainable model should something happen. And we aren't able to continue to write those checks that, uh, the business wouldn't be able to, to run on its own. And that's the goal. It's fascinating because you, you know, everything I know about the deal that you guys did with FX is they're, they're paying you pretty well. They're paying you very well to do this. And I think that it is interesting that the money, a lot of the money is going back into this team, which ultimately if in success, this could, this show could run 10 seasons if you do it right. And if this team becomes something that people care about, and I've we've never really seen that before in television where the investment in the show helps to make the product on the field and the show better. Yes. Yeah, that was that was always the idea and um and it is it is also funny to to hear the way that people think about I don't know, maybe it's just the way that people think about sports in general or or specifically the the English football system. When I keep saying the goal is to get to the Premier League, I mean everybody laughs. And I don't know why they're laughing. I, I don't know. That's the way the system is set up. Well, I'm no expert, but you do need you need players to get there. You need players sure. that cost a lot of money. And you joke yes. on the show that, you know, you only have TV money, so you needed to bring in a film star money yes. to do that. Although you can make a lot more money in television than you can in film if you are the creator of the show, which you are. So that I'm going to quibble a little bit with that. Although liquor money is bigger than film or TV money. And uh, and cell phone money is bigger than all of them. So yes. hopefully that will contribute as well. But yes, um, te tele telecommunications, I believe, seems to pay well. I don't know. I'm not privy to that business. But Ryan doesn't share those financials with you. <laughs> he does not. He does not. But but yes, I mean the 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 long term goal is to take this as long as we can. And when I speak to John about it, you know, I, sometimes people think about television series as, as limited or, you know, only running for a few years. And I've got this other show that's gone for 15 years. We're going into our 16th season. I don't see why a show like this couldn't be, couldn't be similar. If the quality remains high and we are telling this story inside and out, I've never seen anything like that uh, on television to watch something go from, you know, a club go from the fifth league all the way up to the top. And as you're as you're watching it, you're not just watching the machinations of building a business, but you're watching, hopefully, as uh, you're watching the resurgence of a working class town in North Wales. Plus, if the ratings ever dip, you can bring in like Timothy Chalamet as an investor or Zendaya or someone to, to boost the ratings in season seven. You never know. <laughs> I got I to bring my equivalent of Danny DeVito in, right? Exactly. Like Who's DeVito? I'm, sh I'm sure he wants in at this point. We've got a lot of incoming calls, and so we're, we're, we're very happy about that. I'm sure everyone around town who's a football fan has been like, "Fuck, why didn't I think of that?" Yeah, we've uh, like I said, we've gotten a lot of a lot of interest, which is fantastic. And I I, I don't know why 
you know, one of the things that we've been discussing too is what's the extension of this? I'm mean, looking at this not necessarily as a format insofar as you want to do the same exact thing, but to your point earlier, the idea of telling a story and getting people invested in the story, and you're watching as it's the story is also feeding into the building of the infrastructure of whatever that business or project is, is just really fascinating and, and fun to watch. Why can't that be extended into other industries as well? Yeah, I mean, thinking about it, it's a little like the old Project Greenlight, if that were a TV show that was sort of sustaining on not just a movie. And if people watched and it was successful, then you make a sequel or whatever. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the sponsorships because you watch this show and the sponsors are heavily integrated. And it's not just your own sponsors. It's not just aviation. And your, what's your brand called? Four Walls? Four Walls, yes. Yes. So how did TikTok end up as the main sponsor of the team? Yeah, so originally when, when we went out to figure out who we who would want on the on the front of the kit we realized also that you know Ryan being a master marketeer and 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 also us recognizing that this was going to have some reach that when we when we spoke to some of the uh potential sponsors that it wouldn't just be a television deal and it wouldn't just be a football club deal but it would be a part of the story which is what you're investing in when you're investing in this club you're investing in this town and we knew that if we could present that correctly, that it would be fun. I mean, that's the number one thing that Ryan has has really taught me about selling um, and and about marketing, which is that you never want to hide from people that you're you're selling them something. Just come out and say this is a commercial, and then what you can do from there is have fun with it and and make it and don't don't try to try to hide anything from them. Hey, we're selling you something, but we're going to do it in an entertain in an entertaining way, and hopefully that gets you invested in the product and you want to buy it and 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 yada yada yada. So from there, we started reaching out to various entities and saying, "You'll be integrated in a way that isn't just oh let's let's make a deal and then try to hide the product. You'll be out in front of it, and then we will have we will have fun with that." So uh, there were certain companies that just got it right away and certain companies that didn't. And a lot of those companies are now coming back to us hmm. and they want to be a part of the story. That's it. It doesn't feel gross. Cause like I watch some stuff and like, you know, you're watching red notice on Netflix and like, Oh, the rock happens to be drinking his tequila. And it's like, that's lame to me because it's, I'm smarter than that. And the viewer is smarter than that. So that's a great insight from Ryan about being upfront and honest about the sales pitch. And you see that in the way that he approaches his marketing because it's, it's winking at you. Like we know, you know what's going on. I know what's going on. So let's have fun with it and just accept it. And when you're watching the show, you kind of get that. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, we straight up call it out at a certain point and he's just, uh, like I said, he's just really great at, at, at that aspect of the business. And I'm great at making fun of him for it. <laughs> Take something iconic, like the all-electric 2024 Fiat 500e. Add something electrica. Bring the swagger. And an Italian icon is remixed and ready to drop with its available premium JBL audio system. Tap the banner to learn more. 
Fiat is a registered trademark of FCA Group Marketing SPA, used under license by FCA US LLC. So where does this lead? Like you mentioned that you guys are thinking about the next iteration of this. Does this lead? Are you guys going to have a sports media venture where you're going to buy multiple teams? Is this the kind of thing where you bring in others to build up this team? Like where does where does this business go? These are all things that we've been talking about. Um, right now, we're super focused on getting Wrexham promoted. That's the number one goal. And anything and everything we can and all of our resources, time, effort, and energy is going into that. In terms of expanding out, we feel like once we have a firm grasp on how to get out of this league, out of this national league, and we are well on our way this year, we're in first place, that we can start expanding. And, and we have some ideas, but I can't disclose them on this particular podcast. <laughs> but I can, maybe I can come back in a year and we can, we can get no, into it. No, that's cool. I mean, we, I, I'm curious what Landgraf sees for the future of the show, because he's one of the smartest people in television. And whatever he's thinking is probably two steps ahead of where we are right now. Uh, he was smart enough to recognize this idea would be innovative. What does he see? Does he see multiple teams fronted by multiple stars, or does that start to become inauthentic? The whole reason it worked is because your interest in this was authentic. I, I wonder what the what this franchise is. Is there, you know, well, is there welcome to blank shows coming? Yeah, I think I think that's the exact problem um, because I have been approached by a, a few people who have said, hey, let's just do this again. Let's do it with a cricket team. Hey, let's do it with a badminton team. Let's do it with pickleball. And the truth is that, that right away, people will smell that and it'll feel inauthentic. It'll feel like a business. It'll feel like a cash grab instead of um, instead of approaching this as, <laughs> from the place that I did, which is the, doing something that I love. That is the most Hollywood comment ever let's do this with pickleball like anybody <laughs> any like any town anywhere gives a shit about pickleball or their team yep but there are there are towns there are places around the world with the connection to their shitty local team that could have this kind of a feeling to it yes yes and so you just have to be really careful about how you approach it because if if you find people who are truly emotionally invested in in it and in building something great and doing it with the community and not just making it about themselves, um, then maybe you can find something special. But I just don't want to rush anything and jump into doing a spinoff and have and having it not only um, not only cheapen the 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 spinoff itself, but also cheapen the the original uh, show. Interesting. Yeah, I um, I think the whole idea of it is fascinating. What's the biggest thing you learned? that you didn't expect going into this? Um, I didn't realize how much anxiety there is in watching a football match. And I think that's actually part of the biochemical addiction to it. It's not like American football where there's a lot of stopping and starting and a lot of scoring. And what you wind up happening, I'm a huge American football fan, but what winds up happening is you have this you have this building up of tension and then release, building up of tension and then release. And it's a constant source of, tension relief throughout an anxiety relief throughout a game because you can even if you're cheering or if you're screaming whatever in anger whatever it might be you're releasing it and in football soccer you're not really getting that um there's only maybe one or two goals a a, a game and so it just builds up in intention uh throughout an in entire 90 minutes and it's non-stop 
you can't ever leave because you might miss something. And Americans seem to think, or a lot of people who don't watch soccer think, that, that it's boring. It's actually the opposite. It's that you can never leave because at any moment, anything can happen. But also because of that, the anxiety builds up and there's no relief. There's no relief from that. And you wind up taking it around with you. And I truly believe it becomes a part of an addiction cycle, like a biochemical response to where you desperately need that fix on a Tuesday or a Saturday. I have talked to people in the sports media world and asked why soccer football is not more popular in the U.S. And it's interesting. Some people say that it's because there aren't breaks. There isn't the three-minute commercial where you can sit around and open your beer. And Americans want or they're trained to want that relief from the tension and that that soccer doesn't do that. So you agree with that? What do you think they need to do in this country? This is the perpetual question I know to make it more popular on television. Well, number one, we just need to be better. I mean, if, if, and truly, if we put our right. best athletes out on, onto that world cup pitch, I, I mean, imagine Tyreek Hill playing wingback imagine, right. imagine LeBron James in goal. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's nobody, there's nobody that would be able to, to stop the U S if we put our best athletes in, into those programs. And maybe that'll happen more and more. I mean, I wonder what's going to happen to the next few generations of American football as more and more data is coming out about, um, about concussions and head injury and how many parents are going to be less willing to put their their children in, into that particular sport and and there's not a ton of sports that happen in the fall in in America you have essentially the the biggest ones you have football and 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 soccer and so i wonder if people will start transitioning more into that and and the more we can field winning teams on the pitch i mean america loves a winner you you could do a world tour with the Wrexham team yeah that that truly is one of the biggest intention in one of one of my intentions is to is to make Wrexham America's team. I, I don't know why we couldn't do that. I, I know that there is a, a massive support for a lot of Premier League clubs here in the U.S., but a lot of people have second second teams anyway. Um, why not make Wrexham Amer America's team and a way in? Because I think a lot of Americans can identify with the people of Wrexham. It's a, it's a, a working class town who's seen better days and they love what they, they love what they love. Yeah, I don't mean to minimize soccer in this country, by the way. I've been to LAFC games and like they're packed and huge numbers of fans. The women's team has fans. So I don't want to minimize that. But you're right. It 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 needs to become, I think, a more compelling television product for an American audience to get on board. And I just I don't know how that happens because you're right. You do have to invest and get that get hooked on that anxiety of the nonstop action. I will say that I went to um, the uh, to the MLS final this year, which LF LAFC won, mm -hmm. and it was it was one of the mo most exciting sporting events I've ever been to in my in my entire life. I and saw Will Ferrell was going nuts, it, it, nuts, nuts. I ran into him. <laughs> I, I, I ran into him at halftime. The Union had that game wrapped up. The Philly Union were winning at the end of the game, and Gareth Bale, who is actually from Wales, who was just signed by LAFC, scored in the 93rd minute to put it into overtime. And it was, I've never seen anything like that. And LAFC wound up wound up winning. The, there is a, a, a lust for soccer, for football in this country, and it just needs to be unlocked in the right ways. And I, I, I know that there are people way smarter than me that are working on this every day. All right. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on the show. Good luck with the show. 
Thank you so much. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll be talking about the expanding business this time next year. Yeah, come back when you're on the world tour with the Rexham yeah, team. That is the plan. Next year, we're going to do a, a a tour around some of the MLS teams, so that'll be fun. Awesome. All right, thanks, man. All right, thank you. Ant. All right, we are back with the call sheet. Craig, did you see this list of people who are guest hosting The Daily Show after Trevor Noah leaves this week? Yeah, it's an eclectic group. A very eclectic group. Basically, Comedy Central has said that they are not going to name a permanent host of The Daily Show until late next year at the earliest. So they have announced this first group of guest hosts that they are going to bring in. Some big names. There's people like Chelsea Handler, Leslie Jones, Hassan Minaj, Al Franken, for some reason. They're bringing him back. Uh, Cal Penn, John, John Leguizamo, Marlon Wayans, D.L. Hughley. And then they're sprinkling in some of the current Daily Show people like Roy Wood Jr., a comedian named Dulce Sloan. My prediction is it's going to be none of these big names. They're just not going to give this show to an established comic. Why? It's going uh, because, first of all, they need to cut costs and someone of that stature who's got a profile and has been around is going to ask for a lot of money. Yeah, but if you want ratings and you need to cut costs, isn't the one area where you maybe shouldn't skimp is the host? Okay, well, but let's talk about ratings because ratings are important, yes, but these cable networks are really dying. I mean, if you look at the viewership of The Daily Show from when Jon Stewart left in 2015, it was averaging about 1.3 million viewers a night, uh, which was pretty good for cable. Under Trevor Noah... It's at about 372,000 viewers a night. That is a million viewer drop under Trevor Noah. That's about 72% decline. So, and it's even worse with 18 to 49. And it's not really Trevor Noah's fault. Like he did a fine job. He's, you know, great comic and he raised his own personal profile a lot via this flagship show on a cable network. It's just the nature of cable shows right now. Everything is in the toilet. No, nobody's watching stuff live on cable. And we don't know the viewership numbers on Paramount Plus of The Daily Show. We know that it does very well on YouTube. The clips go do go viral every once in a while. And he has a following on the YouTube channel. And that, as we've discussed on the show, is increasingly where these late night shows live. So I don't think the ratings component is that big of a deal as it might have been in previous generations. They're going to go with some either homegrown or outside person, or they're going to try to break someone um, on the show that I think that that makes a lot more sense for this franchise, in my opinion, if they don't just scrap it, which I don't think they will. I mean, this is a 25-year-old franchise. They seem interested in keeping The Daily Show going. Whoever can figure out how to transition it over to a streaming style show rather than a four night a week comedy show live or taped that day for cable television. Uh, that is the key here. They really want that. I just don't think, um, I don't think they're going to, I don't think they're going to pin it on some big talent to come in and kind of save the show. I don't think that's the, the strategy. All right. That's the show for today. I want to thank my guest, Rob McElhaney. I want, Rob will be good. They should have Rob come in and host. There you go. Look at us, making deals. <laughs> we'll call us people. We know how to find them. I want to thank Rob McElhaney for coming on the show. I want to thank producer Craig Horbeck, and I want to thank you 